0: Welcome to the Nifty Podcast presented by Partyfish Media, a showcase of the best emerging filmmakers under the age of 25 from all over the world. Film starts here at Nifty 2022 in Seattle, Washington. My name is Andy Dieguez. My pronouns are they, them, or he, him, and I will be hosting this podcast today. Um, and here I have Leo. And Leo, if you want to introduce yourself, my guy.
1: Hey, my name is Leo Pfeiffer. Pronouns he, him. My last name is also very easily mispronounced. It's very understandable. I have two films at the festival this year, uh, both documentaries. One is called One Day You'll Go Blind, and it's about one of the world's only blind professional skateboarders. And the other is called Haven in the Booth, and it's about hip-hop therapy in the Bronx.
0: So that's awesome. So this obviously is not your first time at Nifty. I was overhearing conversation before we walked in. What do you think is different about your experience here now as a filmmaker versus before.
1: Yeah, I've been loitering around Nifty for a long time. I live in L.A. now, but I'm from Seattle. And Nifty was like a fixture of my upbringing as an aspiring filmmaker here. So it was this like yearly thing to come and be inspired and recharge and show... A film that I had made and connect with filmmakers and just meet some of the coolest people ever. So my first year was 2012. I would have been like 14 years old.
0: Oh my God. Wow. Yeah.
1: What a throwback. And uh, it was a lot easier to get films in back then. <laughs> uh, but uh, But yeah, how it's changed. I mean... It's been so cool for me to kind of grow my voice and my ability as a filmmaker and start, you know, in the last few years doing stuff that I'm really, really proud of and kind of get to come back to this like home turf, this place that's so fucking special to me as an artist and as a creative person and get to show my stuff here. And like, you know, it was a dream for the last like 10 years to have something in like the centerpiece and somehow this year I've scammed my way into that screening. Um, So it's just a really beautiful experience, Uh, you know, after the last couple years of pandemic and life being hard and craziness for all of us, I just feel so happy to be here and connecting with this creative community and getting to show my work and getting to see other people's work. Uh, Nifty has just been, yeah like a huge fixture of my kind of upbringing as a filmmaker.
0: That's awesome. Uh, what do you think Leo now would say to like little fourteen year old Leo <laughs> what 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 would you say to yourself?
1: Oh, gosh, so much. I think the biggest thing is just keep going, stick with it. There's no one way to be an artist, to be a filmmaker. And there's this huge gap that like there's this quote from Ira Glass where he talks about the hardest part about wanting to be an artist is that you have great taste that's why you love art you know what is good and for years of making stuff what you're doing fucking sucks and you know it and it's not good by your standards and the only people who make it are people who can live in that and be okay with it and be okay with knowing what's good and knowing that what you're doing is not good and just keep trying and keep failing and keep pushing. And, you know, Nifty has been so amazing and kind of helping me on that journey. So I think the biggest thing I would say is just like, don't let the difficulty of filmmaking stop you. It's really, really hard. Yeah. But it's not rocket science you know, if it was easy, everybody would be a great filmmaker. Um, and continue to kind of live your life and develop who you are as a person outside of filmmaking. Like, film is a massive part of my life and it's my biggest passion and it's something I just have so much love for. But like, you have to be a person outside of that and have other interests and live a well-rounded life. and. Have other things that you to know what you would want to make films about or to recharge yourself as a person when you're not making films and you can you can come back to it fresh mm-hmm. so I would just tell myself you know keep going and uh, make sure to carve out time for yourself too
0: yeah. I think it takes kind of a a certain amount of vulnerability to be able to exist in that state of, you know, knowing that maybe your work isn't as good as it could be, you know, maybe it could be better, but um, just being able to like admit to yourself and exist in that takes a lot of courage, I think, Um, which kind of segues into what I wanted to talk about uh, with these two films that are in the festival this year. Um, One thing I really noticed is just the sheer amount of vulnerability that Mm -hmm. your subjects are able to, you know, portray. It seems to me that despite the fact that these two films are about completely different Mm -hmm. subjects, it seems as though they have both suffered tremendous losses and have found Mm -hmm. beauty out of that and have been able to construct a kind of, you know, beautiful life for themselves. Um, So what do you have to say about, you know, the themes in your films? Is this something that you often look for in people that you're making documentaries about? Or what's sort of your process with that?
1: That's a really good question. And I think it's been cool to look at the work I've done in the last few years and see some of those common threads between them. And you spelled out, I think other people can identify the common threads and the themes in your work better than you can like I've said similar things to other filmmakers about what they do and they're like Wow, I never realized that before. So thank you so much for for summing it up like that. I think there's something that really draws me to nonfiction stories Mm -hmm. where a real person has gone through something and has had incredible hardship with that experience but has turned it into something that's beautiful. And I think it's such, right, it could be a story about a a blind skateboarder or a drummer who had a stroke or a kid in the Bronx who does hip hop and they're all united by our kind of core humanity and somebody who is 20 years old in Spain or someone who is seven year old in Iowa could relate to those kinds of human experiences. So yeah, as a filmmaker, I'm not really drawn anymore to starting a film from the point of like, here's an issue I want to talk about, like, you know, this issue or that issue. I'm really drawn to personal stories that feel meaningful and interesting and have compelling story and arc and characters that then intersect with bigger issues. And through telling that person's story, there's no expert commentating or,
0: mm.
1: or, or data or whatever in the film. But through telling that person's story, you're kind of implicitly making a statement about the world. And I think it's always more powerful when the audience can come to that conclusion themselves. So I could do a film about blind skateboarders where there's like experts saying, you should feel this, you should think this, this is what this says about disability rights as a movement, but I think it's so much more powerful if the audience can just connect with a person, empathize with a person on screen and come away with their own feeling about what that means for the world. So that's the kind of film that
0: I'm really drawn to making. That's awesome. And it definitely comes across in, you know, both of these projects. Thank you. Yeah, of course. One Day You'll Go Blind was made before Haven in the Booth? Is that... After. After. Okay, I got my little timelines mixed up. (laughs) Sometimes I get my timelines mixed up. That is so bad. (laughs) Um, So since you made Haven in the Booth first, were there any lessons that you learned while making Haven in the Booth that maybe carried over into One Day You'll Go Blind? Definitely.
1: It's like, what lessons weren't there you know it's everything I mean I kind of discovered I've always been interested in documentary I've always been interested in narrative scripted work Mm -hmm. and then I was interning when I was 19 at this production company where there were these commercial directors who were making documentaries with the sensibilities of narrative filmmaking and like for me that was just a huge turning point in my sort of artistic development and I really set off to make these character-based documentary films that looked and felt and were structured and had character journeys like a scripted narrative film but they're real. So for me like the ultimate goal is like if the audience can almost forget that they're watching a documentary. That's what I am going for because there's such a stigma of like the dusty like old television being rolled in to your class where there's a substitute teacher oh, yeah. that day, right? Like, that's not what the art form is, but that's what so many people think of it as. So I did this film called Lost Time about a drummer who had a stroke and lost his ability to play the drums, and that was kind of the first film that I did really in that tradition that I've talked about with documentary,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then it's just been a beautiful learning journey for everything since then. So going from that film to Haven in the Booth, and I was doing different side projects along the way. These are kind of the main docs I've done. So that film The Haven in the Booth was about taking that approach out of kind of a really controlled environment and going out and capturing more naturalistic verite and real moments and interactions between people in that style. And not just being a fly on the wall, but sort of interjecting your personal filmmaking aesthetic into what you're shooting without ever manipulating or contriving, but really kind of piercing deep to reach people's emotional truth. Um, And then that going into One Day You'll Go Blind was just kind of further trying to capture that patchwork of really true verite stuff scenes that are a little bit more constructed and elevated cinematically, things that lie in the middle of those. And when you put it in this patchwork of these films, I think you really can reach kind of a deep emotional truth with your subjects. So as I grow as a filmmaker, I think it's all about like using the filmmaking techniques and tools and story approaches that I have at hand Mm -hmm. to reach deeply into the experiences of my subjects and tell a story with them that's compelling and emotional and creates empathy with the audience.
0: Nice. Yeah. And it really resonates when you talk about wanting to create projects that make you almost forget that you're watching a documentary. Um, One of the things that I wrote down was that, you know, at, times you almost forget that the camera is there and that they're talking in like an interview style and these people are talking about you know very uh deep emotional things that they have struggled with in the past Mm -hmm. um so I guess I'm, I'm wondering how how do you approach um your subjects and how do you kind of get to know them in the way that makes them comfortable enough to talk about that in such a a natural you know way
1: yeah it's a great question because it's so important to do that and the first thing is like whenever possible i want to spend time with them in person without cameras just connecting with them as people and you're asking for such a huge thing from them to open up to trust you with their story to go to dark places, because for the audience to understand that catharsis that your character is going through, they have to bring themselves back to that to a certain extent. Yeah, And that's something that like you can never repay them for. It's such a beautiful opening up that everybody does that I've collaborated with on these films that I feel so incredibly lucky to be trusted with. So to that extent, like I feel like it's my duty to get to know them and share things about myself and be vulnerable and honest with them about me so that I'm not just this like opaque figure looking at them. So, you know, then you just, I think a big job of the director on a documentary like this is just trying to bring down the weirdness of a camera crew coming into somebody's life, Yeah. you know, these are like 30 pound cameras and there's light sometimes and they're wearing a microphone. And even if I just pulled out like an iPhone and started recording you right now, like that would change your behavior and the way you feel and act. Like there's nothing natural about it. So there's just a lot of kind of techniques and approaches and ways to make people feel comfortable and relaxed around the camera. I like to keep relatively small crews and be as unintrusive as possible. But I also don't hold myself to this standard of, like, you are just a fly on the wall. I think it's kind of like a BS idea that that is what authenticity is and only that in docs. Because once you bring a camera into a situation, the, the person is in some way performing. Right? So if you totally. then are taking a step back from that, you're not just creating authenticity by not interfering with what's happening. So sometimes you talk to people about what can you capture on camera to really pierce deep into your story and your emotional truth. And that is what I'm always after when I'm doing this. And then I think the interviews are such a key part of it to I do not write down individual questions, I write down the subjects I want to dig into, the story beats that I want to explore, and then just have a free-flowing conversation with them. Like, in a character documentary interview, the worst thing you can do is go down a list of questions and ask them to restate the question in your answer, because then it's an interview, and it's not a conversation. So you sort of feel the emotional Trail that somebody's on, and you're guiding them towards the right crescendo of when they're talking about this and what's the emotion here and what's the feeling in the room. And you're feeling it with them. Like in One Day You'll Go Blind, when Justin was, you know, broke down crying in the interview, talking about his experience losing his sight, I was crying there with them. I looked over at the DP. He was crying. Our producer, who was recording sound, was across the room. There was a light stand blocking his view of Justin, and he was crying.
0: Yeah, I felt so, that, Yeah, yeah.
1: Like so, it's. I think it's just about being really committed to like going on that journey with them. I'm not. I'm not coming in and saying, "Here's my agenda. Here's how I think you should be portrayed." I'm coming in as a collaborator, saying. This is the story that I think we're telling here. Let's work together to create an expressive film that will help an audience connect with you.
0: Yeah. Do you have, um, is there any like mentors in your life or any, you know, filmmakers or films that have inspired you to take this approach with your projects?
1: Yeah, there's so much great, filmmaking out there and I think short docs are some of the forefront of doing this because it's hard to capture that in a feature right like there's like the OG amazing documentaries like Hoop Dreams or like, you know, I think Errol Morris is kind of like the godfather of the type of documentary that I feel really passionate about and that I love and then there's just like this beautiful wave of short documentary filmmakers who are doing innovative stuff with the form, like, you know, Lance Oppenheim, or Anderson Wright, or Jackson T C who are just throwing the rules out of the window and creating these beautiful, expressive, cinematic experiences. So I look for inspiration in narrative work. I love, you know, Cuaron and Spike Jones and all these amazing directors. And I try and bring a lot of that into my documentary work. And then, yeah, there's just, like, incredible people who are making short films. You can't really make money on short films, so yeah. it's for the love of it. And they're, like, innovating the art form. Like, there's short docs out there where I'm like, fuck, this is, like, the Citizen Kane of, like, short documentaries. Yeah. it's free, and it's on Vimeo, and it's only 10 minutes long. Um, so, yeah, I get inspiration from a
0: ton of places. Nice. So I, to me, it, it seems like there's almost a, a therapeutic element to these films. Um, and that just makes me wonder, you know, when you are exploring these really deep, dark times that these folks have gone through, how do you as a person... Um, like how what's your process like with kind of guarding your own heart? You know what I mean? Like, how do you keep yourself from carrying that home with you, or do you carry that home with you, or you know, what sort of feelings linger in you after you've done these deep dives? Yeah,
1: no, there's no way to not bring that home with you. Um, you're just there with them. Like I think therapeutic is a really great word. like in some way, the rela- in some ways, the relationship you have with your subjects is kind of like, you know, a therapy-type relationship, but also like, okay, sometimes I'm the therapist, sometimes they're the therapist to me. Like, when I do a film like this, it's illuminating something within myself. Because when I'm, I think people sometimes think that the topics of documentaries or the characters are chosen in an impersonal way. Mm -hmm. But for me, every story I tell is very deeply connected to something I'm going through in my life. And you can track the films back that I've done, like, oh, I was going through this, and that's why I made wow. this yeah. film. And then the way that you interpret that story, mm-hmm. right? You're telling their story, but all the choices about how you tell that are sort of run through your lens as a filmmaker and as a storyteller and as a person. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm just always trying to respect the weight of what I'm asking somebody to do and really think about it morally and ethically and not come into someone's life and just kind of stir up feelings and walk out. I really just try and be there as a friend and as a person. And I'm super upfront in the beginning. Like, this film is about your amazing journey and your victories as a person. But for that to have meaning to the audience, like, we do need to go to the depths that you've gone to. And are you okay with that? And it's super fair if someone's like, no, like, yeah. I don't want to go there. Um, so yeah, I think you just have to really check yourself ethically, make sure that you're not being exploitative or just trying to like get something salacious for your film. Make sure that you're on the journey with them doing things in a compassionate and responsible way and it will follow you home but that's like the beauty and the magic and the pain of it like the sorrow of a person's story follows you home but the victory and the inspiration you get from a person's story follows you home too so it's just kind of beautiful I sort of get to like parachute in and get to connect with somebody else's human experience and get kind of a key into their life experience in a way. So it's one of the hardest parts of the job, but it's also one of the biggest things that draws me to
0: it. Yeah, that is beautiful. So Leo, do you have anything that you're currently working on or things that you're looking forward to in the future, any goals that you have in mind?
1: Yeah, so I'm on the festival circuit with Haven in the Booth and One Day I'll Go Blind. We put out one day you'll go blind with the New Yorker in January, so that's been super amazing. To Congratulations! See. Thank you to yeah. seek it out there to the world. I'm in the early stages of developing a new short doc project, and then pitching on some stuff in the commercial world, and just living my you know quote unquote adult life.
0: <laughs> what does that even mean? We don't know. Yeah, we're gonna find out, I guess. One day. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Where can people find you online?
1: Yeah, I'm on, uh, not on MySpace, unfortunately. Sad. <laughs> so sad. I'm on uh, Instagram at underscore Leo Pfeiffer. Uh, and then my website is Pfeiffer.com. So that's L-E-O-P-F-E-I-F-E-R. <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. Spelling. Oh, my gosh. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, Leo, thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, Thank you so much for sharing all of this with us.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been great. Nice.
0: Thanks for listening. For more information on Nifty 2022 or upcoming events, the talented youth, and more emerging filmmakers, check out nifty.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at n f f t y on Instagram, and TikTok at niftyfilm. For more podcasts from Partyfish Media, search Partyfish Media wherever you listen to podcasts or check out our website at partyfish.media.